Would you just pray with me this morning as we uh, look into the Word of God? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open your Word, to study it together. And thank you so much that um, you give us that freedom. And we don't just get to come and, and hang out together in kind of a weird setting, but we get to hear the Word of God and the Spirit of God gets to touch our hearts to speak to us, to show us what truth is and how you want us to live that out. And I pray that that would happen as we look into your word this morning, that, that you, would, you would speak to us and that we would be better servants of Jesus Christ because of the time we spend in your word this morning. I pray that it would be your words that we hear today, not mine. We pray that your will would be accomplished in us in your name. Amen. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been Start, we started a series going through all 66 books of the Bible called The Whole Story. And uh, we will be in Numbers this morning, looking at the book of, of Numbers. And we're going to talk about the journey, the whole story. But this morning, we're going to talk about the journey, kind of a part of the whole story. And last week, Pastor Mike uh, was with us, and, and he talked to us about the book of Leviticus. And... Uh, there's kind of a break if, if you look at the book of Exodus and our introduction to the nation of Israel and then Leviticus kind of gives us some of the laws and how, how God wants the nation of Israel to respond to him and how they're, they're supposed to respond and he's going to respond back. And then this break happens with Leviticus and then we jump from Leviticus to Numbers and it, it kind of goes back to the end of the book of Exodus. And so those two books, Exodus and Numbers, kind of carry on the story of the nation of Israel. And when we talk about this story, we start the book of Numbers with a census being taken. And in that census, uh, as they take the census, there's 603,000 fighting men at this point in the nation of Israel. Now remember, Genesis, when we talked the first week, there was a promise given to Abraham that God would make him a great nation. And he had one son. And then as the family tree began to grow, we're 400 plus years later, and here we are, 603,000 fighting men in the nation of Israel, which means there was two, 2 million plus people in the nation of Israel. And they've left the land of Egypt, and they started on this journey out of the land of Egypt, and they're, they're headed out now where God wants them to go, and we're going to pick them up kind of in the middle of this journey. And the book of Numbers covers 40 years of this journey that they have. Let me, let me read the first couple of verses here. Well, in Numbers chapter 33, I'm jumping in way down the story. But Numbers 33 kind of gives us a picture of the journey. And I'm not going to read it all. I just want to read the first two verses to you as we start this morning. These were the stages of the Israelites' journey when they went out of the land of Egypt by their military divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And at the Lord's command, Moses wrote down the starting points for the stages of their journey. And these are the stages listed by their starting points. Now, I'm not going to read the next 45 verses. You can do that. Because the next 45 verses give us all of the different places that the nation of Israel went through the desert. And it's from Mount Sinai 
all the way to the to the edge of the promised land that God had given them. That's where all the stages of their journey that's listed here in Numbers chapter 33. It's quite a journey. And if you read down through the book of Numbers, what you're going to find is this, that their journey is marked, and I, and I know this wouldn't be true of us. We, we wouldn't say this of us, but their journey is marked by complaining, being disgruntled with each other, with their leaders, with their food, with their water. They spend all kinds of time complaining. Now, none of us do that, right? Nobody here ever complains. In the last month and a half, two months of the kind of being put out of your normal life, nobody has complained, right? Yeah, exactly. Some of you, I see you. I, the sun's not my eyes today, and I can see some of you sliding down in your seats, right? We complain in our journey, and the nation of Israel did exactly that. They were disgruntled in their journey. They didn't like what was going on. They didn't like where they found themselves. And their complaining and their being disgruntled revealed their lack of trust in the God who promised to take them to a very special place. A God who was long-suffering and kind to them. A God who had a plan for them. A God, a God who knew each one of them individually and cared for every one of their needs. It's interesting as you read through the whole story of their wandering in the desert that God provided food and water for them on a daily basis. He provided shoes that did not wear out. Mothers, parents, wouldn't you love that? To have shoes to put on your kids' feet that didn't wear out. God gave that to these people. And this whole journey is marked by their complaining and their distrust for God. Hey, does that remind you of anyone at all? God provides for us every day of our lives. He provides in ways that often surprise us. He gives us gifts. He gives us blessings. He brings people into our lives at just the right time that we need to help us. And yet, often, our lives are marked by complaint. Because God didn't do it just the way we wanted. And that was the nation of Israel. Remember this about this 40 years that we look at in the book of Numbers. Their journey didn't have to be as difficult as they made it. A lot of their complaint and being disgruntled is because of their own choices. Huh. Does that sound familiar? A lot of our complaint, a lot of the difficulty that we face in our journey is because of our choices. And then we wonder why God isn't making all things right. And God's like, well, look what you gave me to work with. Right? 
you, me. And this is the nation of Israel. And they kept saying no to God and, and their journey got harder. If you looked at chapter 14 of the book of Numbers, what you would find is this, is God had prepared the nation of Israel for the promised land. And he got them ready to go in. He took them right to the doorstep. He had them ready to go in and take over the land that he was going to give them and bless them with. And they get that close and they say, nope, we're not going. We don't trust you, God. We don't think you're big enough to handle the people that are in that land. And so we're staying right here. I'm not moving. I've got my spot. I hate the desert, but I'm not going there. That ever been you? God says, hey, I've got something all set up for you. It's all provided for you. And you go, yeah, but God, I know better. <laughs> I'm not going. That's what the nation of Israel did. And then by, by chapter 21 of the book of Numbers, it says this, that the people became impatient with the journey. Ever been at this point in your life? Maybe you are today. Maybe you're just not enjoying the journey anymore. You're just tired. Can I tell you that it's not God's fault? The nation of Israel were where they were because of their decisions, because of their choices. I was thinking about journeys that I've been on in my life, and I've been on a few. When I was in my late teen years, Mike's brother Doug and I liked to hike a lot, and we would do the uh, Baxter State Park and Mount Katahdin once a year and sometimes twice, just for the fun of it. And one time we made a quick trip down to do the, uh, the mountain, and, and we always did knife's edge. That was part of what we always enjoyed, and we would always do knife's edge. And so we took a friend with us, a couple friends went with us, but one friend, Brian, had been a trucker for quite a while, and he decided that he was going to hike the mountain with us. And, and so we got down to Baxter State Park, and we slept in a, in a truck or a car, I forget. And then so first thing in the morning, we could start hiking the trails. And it's a good eight to nine hour hike up and back down the mountain. And uh, Brian was a trucker and he had sat in a truck for quite a long time, like just driving. And so he hadn't been hiking very much. So Doug and I and Brian, we take off and, and we're gonna do the loop trail. And so we go up Cathedral and across Knives and we're gonna come back Helen Taylor, which brings you back down to the parking lot and it, it's a loop trail. And we get almost past Knife's Edge and there's there's a part of Knife's Edge called the chimney and it's it's a really steep descent and then right straight back up and then out, out off the top of the mountain. And we get part way down that and Brian says, I can't go any farther. I'm done. Now up to this point, we had enjoyed the journey. It had been a great hike. The, the sights off nice Knife's Edge are gorgeous. It's beautiful. It was a beautiful day. And it had been wonderful. But from that moment on, the journey changed drastically. See, what we didn't know is Brian had thrown his back out coming down the chimney. And so Doug and I had the privilege of lugging Brian off the mountain. 
And so for the next four and a half to five hours, we carted a guy who was six inches taller than us and 40, 50 pounds heavier than us down off the mountain. And guess what? The journey got tough. And I didn't know if I wanted to keep going on the journey, but I had to. I didn't know if we would make it to the end of the journey. We thought about just leaving Brian and making it to the end of the journey, but we couldn't. We had to take Brian with us. Listen, we weren't made just for the journey. We were also made for the destination, for the end. I know everyone tells you it's the journey that matters. Don't worry about the destination, but I, I don't agree. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that's what God had in mind. God has a destination in mind for us. It's not just the journey. I, I was reading about a flight that goes from New York to, to Mumbabwe. It's the United Arab Emirates carrier. It's called the penthouse in the sky, this flight. You have a, a, a chef, a personal chef. You have a, a personal butler who turns down your double bed with Italian sheets. You have a private living room. You got a leather coach, couch and a 32-inch flat screen TV. You got, you got meals cooked to order, whatever you want. You got your private bath and a shower. You got a concierge who will set up whatever you want when you get off the plane. And for $38,000 one way, that can be yours. But guess what? That journey might be great, but at some point you're going to want to get off the plane. You're not going to want to stay on the plane for the journey and just keep flying around the world. At some point you're going to want it to end. See, God has created us for a destination. And that destination is to be with him. God created us for fellowship with him. God created the nation of Israel to take them from where they were and to show his mighty hand, the work of God Almighty, and lead them into the promised land and to show the nations around how great God was their God. He created the nation of Israel for a destination. He's created you and I for a destination. And as Christ followers, he has set our destination to be eternity with him together in fellowship. Listen to these verses in John 14, 1 to 3. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many, many rooms. And if not, I would have told you, this is Jesus speaking, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. It's not just the journey. It's spending eternity with God. God didn't take the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt to have them wander in the desert forever. That wasn't his intent. He had a destination in mind and he does for you and he does for me. But because of their disobedience, the journey got lengthened. It wasn't what God wanted. 
Folks, our response to the journey matters. Who we become in the journey matters. God cares about developing our character in the journey, but God created us for a destination to be with him. And in this chapter, chapter 33 of of the book of Numbers, he gives us some instructions about how we're to act and how we're to react in this journey. And these instructions stay the same all the way through scripture. Let me read them to you in, in Numbers chapter 33, verses 50 to 52. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plain of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. It's the same Jericho that they would take later on. Remember, they walk around the city of Jericho and and the walls fall. Same Jericho. Tell the Israelites when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their stone images and cast images and demolish all their high places. God gives them instructions on how they're to act when they go into this promised land that he has for them. How they're to act as they make this journey into this wonderful spot that God has for them. Look what he says. He makes it very clear. He says, look, when you go into this land... Drive out all the people that are there that don't follow me. Now, in our day and age, God doesn't call us to drive people out of the land that we live in. But he does tell us to do the same things that he says here. He says, look, destroy all the stone images. Demolish the altars that, 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 that the people are worshiping. Remember last week, Mike talked about those little idols, those gods that are made by hands. God looks at the nation of Israel and he says, look, I don't want you to leave one of them around. I want you to take every one of those idols as you come into this promised land and I want you to crush them all. Get rid of them. Folks, as believers, we have idols that we worship today. We worship the idol of entertainment. We worship the idol of our job or success or our family, or fun, or stuff, or cars, or whatever it might be that is your idol. And an idol is anything that takes the the thought and the intent of our heart away from us focusing on God. That is what our idol is. The thing that's got my heart, the thing that I worry about, the thing that consumes me, that's my idol. That's what I'm worshiping. And God looked at the nation of Israel in Numbers 33, and he said, look, when you go into this land, I want you to take whatever idols there are, and I want you to crush them, demolish them, get rid of them, put them out of my sight. Folks, he's asking us to do the same thing on our journey. Whatever those idols are, we must get rid of them. We must remove them from our lives because they draw our attention away from God. And they consume us. And the time that rightfully belongs to God, our heart's worship, our heart's desires are robbed because of our idols. So he gives them instructions and he says, destroy them, demolish them, get rid of them so that you can worship the one true God. 
But then he also tells them in these verses the consequences if we don't. And I want to read those to you as well. It's chapter 35, verses 55 and 56. But if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, those you allow to remain, look at this, will become barbs for your eyes and thorns for your sides. They will harass you in the land where you will live. And what I have planned to do to them, I will do to you. God warns the nation. He gives them instructions. Look, go in. And when you go into the land, as you go through, demolish the idols. Get rid of them. But if you don't, they're going to be barbs in your eyes. You ever had anything in your eye before? You ever had a little speck of dust in your eye and you have to stop and your eyes start watering and you can't do anything because that little speck of dust is in your eye. God says, they're not going to be a speck of dust. They're going to be a barb in your eye that will distort your view of God, that will distort your view of humanity, that will distort your view of yourself. You'll have an improper view of who you are because you're worshiping something other than the God, Jehovah. And they will become a thorn in your flesh or in your side. And he says this, they will harass you in the land. It's not a one-time thing, folks. It's not like once they bug me, they give me a hard time. No, they harass, they chase. The picture here is like a pack of hyenas following some zebra. They don't, they don't run in and grab one. They harass one. They harass the herd until they can, they can get one off by itself and they can pull it down and eat it. And that's the picture here is that God says those idols, those things that we leave undealt with will harass our life until they consume us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are there any of those idols that you've been worshiping, that you've been flirting with, you've been playing with, you've keep, you're keeping them in your back pocket just in case. And now they're harassing you. Now they've twisted your view of yourself and God and they've got a hold of you and maybe they've become an addiction to you. Look, God's instructions is for us is demolish them. Get rid of them completely. And folks, that usually means something pretty drastic. Usually it means changing the way we're doing things, changing the way we're living life. And for this nation of Israel, it meant following God to the letter, to the T. And it means the same for us. It's taking the instructions that God gives us in Scripture and walking them out every day in our lives. Are you being harassed? Some of us right now, sitting in our cars right here, right now, or listening online, need to yield, need to repent, need to submit to the truth that God is telling us. 
demolish, destroy those things that are drawing you away from the person of Jesus Christ. Repent and say yes to who he is and what he has for you. Stop what you are doing and turn the other direction and follow God, follow Christ. Christ has made a way for us to have victory over all the stuff that hinders us, all the sins that would stop us, all the things that make us fall short of God. Christ made a way on the cross by shedding his blood to pay the price for my sin and for yours. And the cross grants us forgiveness and an opportunity to be reunited with the Father and have a relationship with Him that has meaning and hope and leads us in a journey that takes us to our Heavenly Father, the destination with God. When Jesus left the earth, He said, when I go, I will send one just like me, the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you into all truth. And he will provide everything that you need. And folks, the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning is to provide you a way through those difficulties that you face. A way to demolish those idols that you struggle with. The Holy Spirit wants to help you with that today. And we can have that freedom and that hope because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And the fact that he rose again the third day. We want to celebrate communion this morning. And I know it's going to be a little different when you came in this morning. You may have got one of these, if you can see it. A little cup on the top. There's two, actually, there's a little wafer on the top of that. There are two little sealed packages that you can peel back. And we're going to take communion together this morning. I want to read a couple verses from Matthew chapter 26. It says this. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take it and eat it. This is my body. And then he took the cup and after he giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. Folks, communion is a way that we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness. He paid the price for our sin on the cross so that our relationship with our creator God, the Father, the one who created all of us, so that our relationship with him could be restored. It was broken because of our sin. The same that the nation of Israel struggled in the desert because of their sin. They separated themselves from the one who offered them hope because of their sin. We have the same problem today, the same sin problem. Jesus Christ offered a way by going to the cross that our sin problem could be dealt with and our relationship with God the Father could be restored. And so... We celebrate communion to say thank you and to remind us of the great price that was paid for my sin and for yours. So if you're a believer this morning, we want to encourage you to, to celebrate communion with us. The band's going to lead us in one more song. And as they're doing that, 
as you're ready, go ahead and take the elements uh, together, kind of together in your cars. Let me just have a word of prayer and thank God for the broken body of Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed for us on the cross. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to look to you in the middle of our journey. So many of us struggle with our journey and our struggle is because of our hearts and the way that we say no to you. Thank you that you've made a way for us to be made right through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit and the fact that you will lead us into all truth. Thank you that we have a destination this morning and that destination is eternity with you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have because of him. God, would you meet our needs, continue to help us to see you, help us to yield our hearts and our lives to you this morning. We pray that you would be pleased as we worship you in communion. In your name we pray, amen.